Reading now from the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My daughter, Anna Gray, and I took a walk this past Monday night. It was a clear walk night. We took our dog out. We looked up in the sky and saw a star here and a star there. And I commented to her, when we go out west, we'll see many more stars. She asked, why? Do they have more than we do? It was a rational question from a 10-year-old who's only lived in the light-polluted east coast of our country. I went on to explain that, no, they're the same stars here and there, but they have less of those. And I pointed to the house lights and the street lights and the car lights and the traffic signal lights and the great big old light that lights up the temp- the a steeple on the church that's near our house. And I said, those are keeping us from seeing the stars. West Cliff, Colorado, population 564, has never had as many lights as we have. But they, in recent years, have worked to do to their lights what would need to be done to ours if we wanted to see the stars. Westcliff is about three hours south of Denver. It's in a valley on the edge of the Rocky Mountain. It's a beautiful place with lots of ranchers and lately lots of stargazers. Because some years ago they decided, in their words, to invest in our sky and they made light pollution their enemy. They claim that you can do something in Westcliff that only 12% of the world has ever done and that is see the Milky Way. There was a time when you could not do that in Westcliff. Mining and ranch towns aren't immune from the ubiquity of electric lights. It was only in recent years when the leaders of Westcliff decided that they wanted to darken the night. They reduced ambient light by recovering the street lights and house lights and passing ordinances about how much light you could shine and how. They knew that to see the glory of the stars, they had to reduce the inglorious and distracting lights that they had put all around them. The results were awesome. A star littered, a sky littered with stars. Stars that were always there, but that could now be appreciated. It's important for us to recognize that it was not Westcliff's efforts that made the stars glorious. It's what they took away that allowed the stars' glory to become more obvious. 
St. Paul said, the reason some people don't see the obvious glory of Christ is because the God of this world has blinded them. There's a curious thing about being blind. For many people, blindness does not result in total darkness the way those of us with vision might imagine. Damon Rose is a BBC journalist who lost his sight 34 years ago. He says when people ask him what he misses most about when he could see, he always responds, darkness. He says that his sight was replaced by bright, colorful, ever-changing, often terribly distracting light. He describes the light that is in his head as a visual tinnitus, a, a continuous light show that is not unlike those who suffer from the constant ringing in their ears. He said closing his eyes does not help. He is a blind person who misses darkness. Mr. Rose longs for darkness because there is a peace that comes from being in the dark. Set aside whatever fear you may have of the dark. Your body, your brain, your soul needs things to shut down sometimes. We've talked about this before in terms of needing rest. It's also true in terms of needing perspective. We need the grace of not only being called to do and being able to do, but also of being able to not do. We need the grace of being able to marvel at Jesus' glory without thinking we have to do something with His glory. Or that we have to marvel quickly and then go do something because of His glory. We need the perspective of being able to say, Jesus is full of glory, full stop, without it being about us. His glory is not for us. His glory is not because of us. It simply is. And there's nothing that we're supposed to do with that that is more important than celebrating it. But that's not us. When the lights are up, we feel that we need to be doing. There's something that needs to be accomplished and it's up to us to accomplish it. If not... Me, then who, we ask with both humility and arrogance. It's only the very rare eclipse day when people will stop work early and go outside and stare at the sky. Otherwise, who has time to be all struck by blue skies and a regularly appearing sun? There's more that we can do, more that we should do to prove ourselves useful. It's a familiar impulse. We heard Derek read about it just minutes ago. Jesus led Peter, James, and John up a mountain where he was transfigured before them. He shone with a brightness that no human can create, no matter how much bleach or LED lights are put on him. It's a glory unlike anything we had ever seen. And rather than take it in and marvel at it, Peter wanted to build huts. Take the time to make the spaces for Jesus and Elijah and Moses to stay. Peter's response to Jesus' glory was to do something, which I totally understand. 
I'm a doer. I think I internalized my mother's unspoken credo, while I can, I do. If there are three minutes before you have to go somewhere, there's time to start the laundry. If you have six minutes, you can unload the dishwasher. Break the leaves until it's too dark to see and then pull your car around so the lights can shine and you can finish the job. Maybe that was Peter's personality too. He was near three, the greatest prophets God ever sent. People of tremendous faith and devotion from different eras together on a single mountain. And so Peter wanted to do. He wanted to do something to honor them. To commemorate that moment, I get it. But it only takes a minute's reflection to see why doing something missed the meaning of the moment. Peter didn't need to add anything to it. He only needed to experience it. To let Jesus' light shine on them. With all the bright lights that we have engineered in this world, we rarely stumble around in darkness. For many good reasons, we have filled our world with light, but that has come with a cost. Not only have we obscured the stars above, we have created enough light clutter and other kinds to make it difficult to see Jesus' glory. We have become satisfied with lesser Lights. So, if the moment comes when we've finally removed enough distracting lights to actually see Jesus' glory, and we've been given the gift of His glory being revealed among us, we need to take the time to marvel in it instead of impulsively doing something because of it. People like me, people driven by doing, could very well miss the glory of Christ's light by anxiously running off to get supplies to build huts, or trying to find our phone to take a picture, or a notepad to take notes so that we can share it in our next sermon. We miss Jesus' glory when all our attention is given to trying to preserve it. What if instead we learned from the people of West Cliff, Colorado that we don't have to do anything to make the stars shine brighter or appear more impressive except get out of the way and then experience it? What if we did the same with Jesus? Set up the conditions for His glory to shine and then get out of the way. And let his light fill us with all. What if?